0: Welcome to Weight Loss for Dentists. I'm Dr. Natanya Brown, a board-certified endodontist and certified life and weight coach. I'm on a mission to help dentists live at their goal weight without relying on deprivation or willpower or even intense workouts. If you want to start making more mindful choices so that you can lose weight permanently and have fun in the process, you're in the right place. my friends. Welcome back. It's episode 15. And today is part one of two. We're going to be talking about stopping self-sabotaging. And, you know, it's possible that you've tried all sorts of different diets in the past. Maybe you've had some success. But regardless, you may know that you may have some self-sabotaging behavior that you really want to get rid of and eliminate in order to make more consistent progress towards your weight loss. And you might want to make it happen really once and for all. So how are we going to do it? How do we stop self-sabotage? So I looked, I did a very fancy Google search and I found that self-sabotage self-sabotage is defined as It occurs when we destroy ourselves physically, mentally, or emotionally, or even deliberately hinder our own success and well-being by undermining our personal goals. So here are some things that contribute to self-sabotage a lot of us really think that self-sabotage just means that we want to do one thing and then we end up doing another, right? And at its core, that may be a nice and simple definition, right? Like we want to lose weight. So why is it that at 8 p.m. we're eating potato chips even if we're not hungry? Great question. Well, I'm going to just break it down so that it's really specific. At any eating opportunity we can potentially engage in self-sabotaging behavior ahead of time, like before the event, during the event, and even after the event. We can even self-sabotage without even eating. I'll get to that here in just a moment. So let's dive into what all of this means. An example of self-sabotaging ourselves ahead of time, for example, is let's say we're going to go out with friends. And we might think something to the effect of, well, I have no idea what's on the menu at the restaurant, so I guess my diet will just have to start tomorrow, right? Have you ever had that thought? Like there's just no way that you can possibly make a good choice. Maybe it's like a really greasy kind of restaurant and there's nothing that you think you'll be able to find that's remotely healthy. So what you're doing is you're just kind of signing up to just wing it, for instance. You're not really having any kind of plan whatsoever because you're automatically assuming that there's no way that you'll be able to end the evening making choices that you're really proud of. And so instead of setting up any kind of a plan for yourself, you are kind of failing ahead of time. You're assuming that there's no point in creating any kind of plan. Now, even if you don't know what's on the menu or where you're going to eat, there are always things that are in your control. When I say the word plan, and if you've listened to any of my episodes in the past, specifically my episode on planning, you will know that a plan doesn't need to be a rigid, concrete, um, you know, list of exactly what you're going to be eating, Okay. But it does need to serve as a template for what you would like to intend on happening. Not having a plan more than likely is going to lead you to repeating mistakes over and over again without making progress towards your goal. Now, you may be thinking you have no control over a particular situation. This is going to lead to thoughts of, screw it. And then, in effect, you're going to be giving up whatever control you may have had. So if you're going to go out with friends, for example, you get to ask yourself, I, I may not know the menu, but what is in my control here? How can I focus on the areas that I do have control over? And then you could decide ahead of time a few things that maybe you'd like to be able to do. For example, you may decide that you want to wait until you're actually hungry to eat. Or you may decide that you're going to put appetizers on your plate instead of picking them off of a serving plate. You might decide in advance how many drinks you'll have. These are totally doable and you don't even have to be perfect at them just to decide that you'll do it and be willing to execute on maybe one or two of these small things. One small thing is to remind yourself that you are in control at the start of the event. Basically, when we sabotage ourselves ahead of time, what we're doing is we're saying, there's no way that I'm gonna have any fighting chance in this situation. So instead of trying at all and, you know, potentially failing and then feeling ashamed of myself, I might as well just give up ahead of time and not try at all. And guess what that does? You got it. It virtually guarantees that you're not going to make progress towards your weight loss. It guarantees that you're not even going to try. If you haven't sabotaged yourself ahead of time, you might sabotage yourself during an event. So what does that look like? Well, let's say you went as far as making some form of a plan or template for yourself ahead of time. If you did, great. That's amazing. Really simple. You might have said something to the effect of, I'm going to go out and not eat dessert. Now, you might be happy with that plan for yourself. And then at dinner, everyone's having a good time. After dinner, everyone decides to have dessert. And you may not be sure how you're going to stay in control. You might start to have thoughts that start to tempt you to eat dessert. Like, well, everyone else is having dessert, so I really want some too. Or you might even notice the type of dessert and think to yourself, you know, that's my favorite dessert. I feel really deprived if I don't have any. So suddenly there's all these compelling reasons why you should be eating dessert and you really may not feel as in control. So in these moments, you might think to yourself, okay, I'll have a little bit. And as you have a little bit, then you're starting to lose more sense of control. You may feel like there's this slippery slope. That is when all of a sudden you may have those thoughts, the screw it thoughts, like what's the difference if I just polish off this entire dessert or I can return to my diet tomorrow, for example. And so in those moments, there's actually a few things going on like you haven't actually necessarily thought about the worst case scenario. So is it possible that when you made your plan to not eat dessert, you may not have actually thought through the full scenario of What happens if you're choosing to not have dessert and everybody else is going to have dessert? Is it possible that you're not necessarily taking into consideration that you might feel a little bit awkward or uncomfortable or just have feelings of wishing that you could have some even though you had decided that you'd rather not have any, right? So when we really think about the worst case scenario, most of the time what we'll realize is that it's a negative feeling that we're wanting to avoid. So in this particular circumstance, we might be wanting to avoid FOMO, right? The worst case scenario here is a feeling of FOMO, a feeling of, you know, gee, I'm missing out on eating something that everybody else is eating, for example, When we go to that worst case scenario, we're actually allowing ourselves to play the scenario out in our mind and decide how we'd actually like to act. In this scenario, we're also potentially failing to focus on what is in our control and possibly believing that there is such a thing as a slippery slope. And I want to just clarify right here, right now, that there is no slippery slope. There simply is, you know, the act of eating food, and then eventually there's the moment when you decide to stop. Now, I know that for a lot of us, it can feel like a blur from the first bite until when we finally decide to stop. You may think that you need willpower to stop eating, and our society has basically taught you that that's what you need. You just need willpower. But I'm here to tell you that you don't. And this isn't the episode where I'm going to get into willpower but you just need to decide to put the fork down. That truly is it. It doesn't require any strength whatsoever. You need to understand that putting the fork down may not come naturally to you. That's okay. As I just alluded to earlier, it may come with some degree of discomfort, right? If you've been chronically overeating for a prolonged period of time, Or for example, if you're used to eating dessert every time you go out with your friends, it's normal for you to be inclined to continue that habit. Like when the end of the meal comes and everybody's ordering dessert, it's normal for you to want it, totally normal. And it isn't because there's something wrong with you or because you love food too much, but rather that you've simply conditioned yourself to be eating to a portion that you feel satisfied and fulfilled, which is actually more than your body actually needs. And so now you're making the decision that you're probably going to be fine with a little bit less. You and I both know you'd probably be fine without that dessert. Of course, I'm just using dessert as an example. I'm by no means saying you can never have dessert. So please just look at the spirit of what I'm talking about. Let's not get too caught up with the weeds. Anyway, there is no law of nature that is requiring you to polish everything off that is in front of you. So when it comes to this slippery slope effect, it doesn't actually exist. And so what happens is internally, you may have all kinds of thoughts that are preventing you from stopping eating, right? So you might have thoughts like, wow, I never get to eat this yummy dessert, or I might as well get it while I can, or a few more bites of this isn't going to matter, or my diet can start tomorrow, or I definitely don't want to deprive myself, or I don't want to look like I'm on a diet, for example. These are all thoughts that are simply inspiring you to continue eating, right? Now, you're gonna have your own flavor or version of these thoughts. These are just some examples that I'm coming up with, but I'm curious for you, which types of thoughts really resonate with you? What do you think are the thoughts for you that are really prompting you and promoting you to keep eating, right? And so what you can do in these situations is to really lovingly and compassionately remind yourself that no matter how yummy the food may be or that dessert may be, you actually are totally in control and you are actually able to stop. You're only focusing on not being able to stop, but you actually can stop you aren't probably eating all night long and into the following day, right? Like even if you overeat like most days of the year, okay? There's a moment that you finally decide to be done and you may be beating yourself up because most of the time you eat past the point of being happily full. Maybe you have a habit of eating well past the point of being happily full, but it doesn't matter. The point is that you can actually stop. You do stop. And now, you're simply deciding to yourself that maybe you're going to stop just one or two bites sooner. So this doesn't have to be like perfect all of a sudden the first time that you try this. And I'm bringing this up because if you're in this position where you are at an event or, you know, there's an eating opportunity and you have decided to deviate from your plan, you're in a position where you now get to start to catch yourself, right? And I teach this to all of my students. I help them to learn how to create a pause. And you can learn how to do this too, right? Like right in that moment, helping yourself right in that moment, right? You get to put things on your plate so you get to see what you're eating. You get to be aware of how much you are serving yourself. You get to slow your eating down. So let's say it's dessert time, right? And you thought to yourself, I don't want dessert, kind of going back to that original example. You get to slow yourself down. So maybe you could tell yourself, like, I don't want to eat this entire dessert, but I do want to savor a few bites of this. So you don't need to rush through it. You can slow yourself down. And then you get to create an opportunity to listen to your body, to listen to your stomach, to notice when you're actually already starting to be all set with it. Okay. And you also are already aware of the fact that even though the first few bites of a meal or potentially a dessert might be super yummy, there comes a point when the food just isn't quite as yummy anymore. And you're starting to feel like you're just all set. And so you need to slow down so that you can really pay attention to the cues that your body wants to give you, right? So think about that. The next time you think that you might be in one of these slippery slope situations, remind yourself there is no slippery slope. There's simply a bunch of thoughts in my brain that are compelling me to keep eating But I am fully capable of putting the food down, of putting my fork down, of telling myself it is time to stop. And you will thank yourself for it later. Now, how about self-sabotage after an eating episode? Okay, so we can, we do that in a few different ways. So for example, let's say you overate, right? So let's say you overate and you're really compelled to beat yourself up. Like we talked about earlier, society has truly conditioned us to think that there's something wrong with us and we need to feel guilty. And for a lot of us, we feel like the guilt is a good thing. We need to feel guilty so that we won't overeat again. And I'm here to tell you, if feeling guilty actually worked, then we would all be skinny and none of us would be listening to this podcast. Okay, look, beating yourself up does not actually work. Now, you might think to yourself, I just need to rip this page out of the calendar. I need to pretend that this didn't happen. I need to shove it under the rug. And then the next time I go out to eat, I just need to have more willpower and I need to just hope that I'm going to act differently. And I'm here to tell you that that's not going to work either. Okay, the only way you're going to act differently the next time around is if you actually decide to learn from your past mistakes. Okay. So diet culture teaches us that we are either on plan or off plan. It's very binary. It's very black or white. It's all or nothing. And when we make a mistake, we're more likely to think then, okay, I've royally screwed up. And so we're not focused on what we can learn from the situation, right? So if you've overeaten and now you're actually aware of it after the fact, This is a beautiful opportunity for you to ask yourself the following questions. How about, you know, what triggered me to overeat? What in this situation was hard for me? Did I have a plan going into it? Did I actually honestly have a plan? And then if not what would be an area where I can improve next time, right? If I didn't have a plan, what would be something that I could try to plan on for next time? Remember, a plan does not need to mean spelling out all the ingredients of the food that you plan to consume. But even just deciding ahead of time, how many drinks am I going to have? Am I going to eat appetizers or not? Am I going to have bread from the bread basket or not? Am I going to eat dessert? These are all things that you can plan ahead of time. You can also ask yourself, did I start to have thoughts that compelled me to eat more than I originally planned on? And if so, now's your opportunity to start to be aware of it. You can ask yourself, what was challenging about my situation and what's one small thing I can do to help myself out next time so that when I'm in the same situation or a similar situation, I'll have at least a 1% better chance of acting in the way that I want. Remember, if you've been chronically overeating for a prolonged period of time, it's not going to stop overnight. That's okay. That doesn't have to be a problem. You can practice new habits until they get solidified as a new way of acting. But just don't give up on yourself. You truly can retrain your brain. I absolutely promise. Now on the flip side, I want to give you the alternative example. For some of us, we self-sabotage We self-sabotage ourselves even when we don't overeat. So for example, let's say you've made a bunch of really great choices during the work week and you've lost a pound or two. You might have thoughts that pop up like, well, now that it's the weekend, I deserve to have X, Y, and Z. Or uh, something along the lines of, you know, I can have a little bit of this because it won't matter, because I made progress during the week, because I was good all week, so to speak. Or you might think, okay, now I'm allowed to have this. Now I don't have to be as strict, right? And you have to be really careful with these thoughts because they're really reinforcing that diet that diet mentality, right? Of like, you were good, so now you've earned X, Y, and Z. And this is where a lot of us will make progress. And then, you know, we know we want to continue making progress, but instead we act in a way that isn't consistent with actually helping ourselves. So the first step is really just being aware of what are the thoughts that are prompting you to eat, right? I know I'm kind of being repetitive here, but it all boils down to what's inspiring you to eat. It all boils down to your thoughts. I want you to pause and ask yourself, what is it that I really want right now? If you know that this resonates with you, I want you to imagine yourself making progress and anticipating that these thoughts are going to come up for you. You know, thoughts that are trying to entice you to eat because you feel deserving of it because you've made progress, right? And you don't need to fixate on those thoughts. Whatever thoughts are coming up for you that are enticing you to act in a way that isn't going to help you, thoughts that are going to entice you to eat more than you want, you don't need to fixate on those thoughts. You can actually pick alternative ways of thinking that are going to instead help you to make progress, Now, you can actually expect that you will have thoughts like, I deserve to eat dessert because I was good all week. Start to expect it. If that's a thought that comes up pretty frequently for you, then you can expect it. I have to tell you, for years, I would come home from the dental office and the one recurrent recurring thought that i would have day in and day out was you know it's 7 or 8 p.m. i finally got the kids to bed i deserve something yummy i had already eaten my dinner i was not truly hungry and yet i felt very very deserving of food any food you know more most specifically it was going to be chocolate but really it could be anything i just felt very deserving and so once i was on to myself in other words, once I built awareness that I felt that sense of entitlement, then I grew to anticipate it, right? So it didn't catch me off guard anymore. I started to expect, you know what? I'll probably come home. I'll probably have those thoughts, but I don't actually need to give in to them. So you can start to catch yourself instead of acting like you're totally caught off guard by these desires and whims to eat, Right? It's in these moments that we might think that the only option is just to give in to our thoughts and to really kind of quit on our long term goal. And instead, what I'm proposing is that we can really look at our prior mistakes or instances that have been difficult for us and really try to learn from them. So, you know, whether you have a tendency to sabotage yourself ahead of time, you know, during a meal or after an eating situation, I want you to really think about what I've discussed here and ask yourself like how can you apply this to your particular situation? Remember there is truly no such thing as failure except for you quitting on yourself. That's the only kind of failure. There is no failure except when you stop trying and you don't need to accept that you can be willing to make mistakes and to say, I'm going to learn from them and I'm going to keep on going. And that's exactly how I want you to start thinking about what we traditionally refer to as self-sabotage. You know, it's really easy to look at mistakes and automatically label them as self-sabotage. But what if instead you were to kind of Narrate the story a little differently to yourself, and instead of calling it sabotage, you simply say, "Yeah, I made a mistake. A mistake is something that I can learn from, and as I already said, I'm going to keep on going, no matter what I'm going to learn from my mistakes and keep on going. Okay, my friends, this is a hundred percent possible for you. Self-sabotage is not a given. It is not something that you can't break free of. Today, we've covered how you can build awareness of your self-sabot- self-sabotaging self habits. And next week is part two. I'm going to teach you a four-step process that's going to help you to truly end the vicious cycle with self-sabotage once and for all. I really hope that today's episode has been super helpful for you. And I want to ask you, if you haven't already please consider leaving a review of the podcast on whichever platform you are currently listening um, to it on. That way, other people just like you can more easily find this podcast and I would truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you so, 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 so much. So I hope you have a fantastic week and I will talk to you next week. Hey, if you're ready to start taking action towards permanent weight loss, then go download my five secrets, where I'll teach you the top five things to lose weight and keep it off without resorting to restrictive diets, deprivation, or even intense exercising. Go to drnatanya.com forward slash start. That's drnatanya.com forward slash start to get started. It's time to make your weight loss goal a reality.